0: Good morning, Oakwood. Glad you're here this morning, and what a great time of praise and worship. Just a foreshadowing of what it might be like in heaven someday when we can all gather around the throne of God and just give Him all the praise and glory and credit that He is due. Hey, we want to welcome you this morning to part two of a series we started last week called American Idols. And today we're going to be talking about an idol called Moore, an idol called Moore. I got an email this week. And it went to my junk mail, but I I look in the junk mail every once in a while and kind of sort through and delete. I got one of those emails. I hadn't received this really in a long time, and I thought it was appropriate with the message coming today. It was one of those emails that there is an embassy in Uganda, and they had $20.8 million. Okay? The good news is that somehow through a connection, they want me to have 5.4 million of it. (laughs) I mean, that's great news and... All I have to do is give them a little bit of personal information, like my bank account and stuff, and they're going to actually drop it in this week, they said before Friday. So I'm super excited about that and what that means. And yeah, Have you ever had those emails before? Here's the sad thing, have you ever thought about this? Why do they send those emails? Because they work. Because somebody actually gets that and is so excited about having more money that they would actually give their personal information away. And I mean, if you think about that, you're like, that, that's crazy. I would never do that. But there's somebody that does. And I think a lot of it is that because they're drawn into this thought that I could just have a little more. And I think that's just a small indicator of one of America's most popular idols, this idol that we would call more. You see, all the cultural indicators of our struggle with more are there. You know, TV is an indicator of our obsession with the more idol. Some of the most popular game shows that are on television are the ones where you can go home with a lot more, right? My girls have been out of school for a couple of weeks. We've called it the second spring break, and uh, they've been out of school, and they have discovered The Price is Right. I guess it's on every day at 10 o'clock. Anybody here ever seen The Price is Right? All right. You know that game show, right? And you know, they're, they're amazed by this. I mean, they're, they're like, wow, you know, you can win a car and they spin this wheel. You can win $10,000. It's so exciting. Now, you know, I grew up on that, you know, with Bob Barker. And I mean, that show has been on, I think, since the beginning of time, I don't know, but it's still on today, I guess. And uh, now it's uh, it's uh, Drew's the host on it, but, but it's amazing because, you know, you win all this stuff and it's so exciting. And I always think it's one of those shows that when you watch the people on it, they are genuinely excited. I mean, they're jumping around, Almost act a little bit foolish because what? Because they win something for free and it offers them what? It offers them a little bit more. I mean, why do they name shows, some game shows, like who wants to be a what? A millionaire, right? Not who wants to win a thousand bucks. Who wants to be a millionaire? Because we want... More. I think another indicator of the more idle is the 40,000 plus storage units in our country that didn't even exist 40 years ago. Last year, the United States spent $14 billion on storing our stuff. Why sometimes when the things go on sale at the store, do you get the uh, buy one, get one half off? Do you really need the second one? Such a good deal though. 50% off. And then I could have just a little bit more. Unlimited talks talk, text, and data. Unlimited, right? Because you know, ten gig of data is just not enough. And you know, I need more than five thousand text messages a month and I'm gonna talk more than twenty five hundred minutes. We want unlimited access on our internet, right? We don't want limited, we want unlimited. We want TV on demand, that we can bring up our favorite show every time. And you think of all of these things that we have and you say, why? Why is it this way? It's because we believe in this country that everything would be better off if we had just a little bit more. And the real problem is our inability to admit that we have too much already. Whether single or married, whether rich or poor, whether young or old, when is more ever really enough? At one point do you say, you know what, I have made enough money, I don't need any more. How big does your house have to be before you can really say, I'm satisfied with this house, I'm not moving again, I don't need any more. How many pairs of shoes or how many pairs of jeans do you need before you say, well, that's enough? Is a freezer full of extra food in your garage enough? What about the tools that you buy, or for some of us, the toys that we buy, the trips that we take, the cars that we drive? when is more really enough another thing to notice that i think exacerbates the problem today is there's this unhealthy expectation that the next generation should have the same socioeconomic level as those that have worked for it for 40 years i remember feeling that way when i got out of college i thought well i'm going to live in a house like my parents house that they've worked, you know, 30 years for and scrimped and saved for and make this house. But no, I ended up in a 483 square foot studio apartment. And that was awesome because I was a newlywed. So I saw my wife all the time. And it was great. But the thing is, is that what, what, happen, what happens to us is we get this mindset that we're going to have everything that we grew up with at age 20. And that's just not the reality. I think it's an unhealthy expectation that we have. Let's see what the Bible says about this more idol today. If you would, turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, beginning of the New Testament is the first book is Matthew, second book Mark, sandwiched between Matthew and Luke. You're using one of our Bibles that's provided for you there in the seat, just open that up to page 846, you'll be right there at Mark chapter 10, and remember you can always download the app, go to Sermon Notes, follow along there, it has all the scriptures and all the, the bullet points for you to follow along today. Here we are, Mark chapter 10, beginning with verse 17, when Jesus encounters, and his disciple encounter, a rich young man, and this is what it says. And he was setting out on his journey, and a man ran up and knelt before him and asked asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's a big question. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone and you know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. You know, all of those commandments. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth, which I think is probably a lie if he was 100% honest. But okay, maybe maybe those commandments he's kept. But he said, teach all these I've kept since my youth. And Jesus Looking at him, and don't miss this in the middle of this passage, and Jesus looking at him, what does it say? It says, he loved him. Jesus looking at him, loved him. And he said to him, you lack one thing though. And I'm sure at this point, like, what is the one thing? You lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. And then come follow me. And disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Really? He was sorrowful? That's a bad thing that he had great possessions? And look what it says in verse 23. And Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. How difficult it will be you wonder what what is he saying here what does this mean i mean this is what we're going to be talking about today is this fact that we have possessions and maybe we have more but we can't worship more we can't strive for just more as far as i can remember this is one of the only times in the bible where someone came to jesus and actually left sadder than they did before you think about that when Jesus when people came to Jesus, I mean he healed people and he, he gave them a word and he prayed for them and he blessed them. and most of the time, I'd say you know 96 percent of the time Jesus encounters people, they don't leave sad, they leave with joy, they leave with hope, they leave with appreciation. and yet here it says that he left sad because he had many possessions. The question is, did the possessions? Did he own them or were they owning him? And in this passage, we see the more idol is the problem. Why would anyone choose the more idol to be their God? Well, I think it's because the more idol promises us a lot of things. The more idol says, hey, the more idol promises you some security. Promises you security. Now remember what we learned last week about idols. That an idol is set up anytime we exchange the creator for the created. An idol is anything that we set up that becomes the main thing in our life, the main pursuit of our life, anything over God. It lies to us, and it says, hey, God is holding out on you, God is holding something back, and so we worship the idol instead of God. And security is just one of those empty promises. Because more says it doesn't matter what happens in this world. It doesn't matter what happens to your family. It doesn't matter what happens in tomorrow's headlines. If you have more, then the future cannot threaten you. You are secure because you have more and more will sustain you. And if we're being truthful this morning, we say, you know what? Some of us, we bought into that lie. We've, We've believed that's right. If I just had a little more then I'll have security and I'll have nothing to worry about. But the the more idol promises you security, another uh, empty empty promise of the more idols. The more idol promises you influence, promises you influence. The more idol says that you count for little if you have little. But if you want to be somebody, that you need to get a little bit more that people will respect you. As, as something that you have that's a status symbol if you just had a little more. There's this tremendous pressure in our culture to show who you are through what you have. You see, the more idol tells us that you are what you have, that you are defined by your possessions. And that's why we buy things that we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like sometimes. It's because the more idol says, hey, if you go with me and you get a little bit more, you'll have influence. The third thing that the More Idol promises is it promises happiness. The More Idol promises us happiness. 42 billion catalogs will be printed, published, and mailed out this year. And Amy and I get about two to three of those every day. At least it feels that way. But here's the thing is, all those catalogs that that go into those mailboxes, they're not really selling products. They're selling happiness. If you want to be happy and you want to be filled with joy like the people on this cover and the people in this picture, then you need to buy these things, buy these objects, buy these clothes, buy these things. And you see here in America, we believe in life and liberty and the purchase of happiness. And these companies know it. But we find out that if you're really parched and thirsty and you drink that cup of salt water, what does it make you do? And what makes you want the real stuff, it makes you want more it makes you more thirsty and it doesn't quench and that's what this possessions and the more idol is all about and Solomon knew about the struggle he wrote about it in Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verses 10 and 11 and in the new living translation it says this those who love money will never have enough how meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness the more you have the more people come to help you spend it so what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers. Let's talk this morning about what the more idol really delivers. I mean, it promises these things, which sound good, but what does it really deliver? The first thing it really delivers is financial bondage. Our worship of the more idol has made us into a nation of borrowaholics. The more idol and this massive debt that seems to follow it destroys more marriages than immorality. The more idol also limits God's people in the funding of His ministry. I've had many people tell me throughout the years, oh, I'd love to share and I'd love to give more to the, to the work of the Lord if, if I could just get out of this debt or when I pay this off or when I have these payments go away. When I, when I quit worshiping and giving to the more idol, then I'll be able to give to God. It puts us in this place of financial bondage. And some of you have been there, some of you have experienced that, and some of us have maybe experienced that on a micro level, and some of you are living that on a macro level. And it puts you in a terrible bondage. What else does the more idol really deliver? It delivers emptiness to the soul. It really delivers emptiness to the soul. Luke chapter 12, verse 15, it says this, And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. You see, we see these taglines on commercials and and in ads all the time that you're feeling empty and you're needing just a little bit more. And we get words and taglines in in a lot of advertising today today that says, hey, if you're not completely satisfied. Really? Is that going to completely satisfy me? (laughs) If you're not completely satisfied with this or with that, with this object... You just might need a little bit more. And the fact is that we were created for Eden to walk with God. But then our choice was made and sin entered the world and it left us longing for something. And that something I'm here to tell you this morning is the Lord Jesus Christ. That something is God Himself. It is not to have a little more. The third thing that the more idol actually delivers is distance from Jesus distance from jesus i know that most of you just heard this passage just now this morning you weren't looking at the sermon notes yesterday or or doing any of that and i had this thought this week after i read the passage and thought about it and was writing and i wonder if any of you had just maybe thought of this this morning why didn't jesus go chasing after the rich man why did jesus go chasing after him and, and make it easier on him or something i mean look at verse 21 it says and jesus looking at him loved him Jesus loved him. And then look what it says in verse 22. He was disheartened. This man was disheartened by the saying, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. I mean, why didn't Jesus just chase him down and say something like this? You know what? I didn't mean everything like I said, okay? I mean, you don't have to give up everything. If you'll just make a financial gift to my ministry if you'll just give 10 percent, just give a tithe to the ministry that's all you really need to do but here's the fact this wasn't about money and it wasn't really about possessions this was about this man's heart and who he was going to love and who he was going to serve and who he was going to worship and and jesus talks about this in matthew chapter 6 verse 24 when he says this no one can serve two masters you see that's the problem with the rich young man no one can serve two masters for either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted, he will devote his life to the one and despise the other, you cannot, you cannot, you cannot serve God and money. And so we read this story, and it should have been this quick and easy and joyous decision for this young man who happened to be rich to follow Jesus, but it wasn't because it showed that he actually loved his possessions more than the Lord. And I think that the Bible talks so much about money and possessions and these things because God knew that this more idol was going to be His chief rival for the allegiance of His people's hearts. And I want you to hear the invitation and the call this morning to Christ is a call to smash the idols in your life before they ruin your life. And there's encouragement in this from the Scripture. Do you remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, did it. you remember? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Yeah, he was short in stature, but that wasn't really why he was little. He was little because he was Jewish and he was collecting taxes for the Romans. And it was frowned upon. And not only that, but he was a cheat and a liar and he was collecting more than he needed to and he was giving part of it to Rome and part of it he was keeping for himself. But I want you to know what happened with Zacchaeus when he traded gods. In Luke 19, verses 8 and 9, it says this, but Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord Jesus, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay them back four times the amount. And Jesus responded this way to him. Listen to this, today salvation has come to this house. Really? Why? It's because Zacchaeus traded gods. He said, I'm not going to worship the more idol anymore. Because all that's left me is empty and broken, and I'm going to worship Jesus. And salvation, Jesus said, came to his house that day. Because he defected from the world and worshiping the things of the world, and he went the way of the Lord. So the rest of the time that we have this morning together, I want to share three remedies for the more idle. Three remedies for the more idle. The first one is this. Contentment. Contentment. For most people living in the United States today, our problem is not our income. Our problem is our spending. And our answer is to not try to get more and to not always want more is to learn to desire less. The Bible calls this contentment. And the Bible gives us hope because it says this is something that you can learn to do. And we see it all throughout uh, Scripture in, in the New Testament. Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, um, in the NIV, he says it this way, I know what it is to be in need. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. He's walked both sides of that fence. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or living in want. He found out what the secret was. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, it says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we cannot take anything out of the world. Contentment. I want to teach you an expression this morning that I think will help, and if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, okay? You ready? It could be worse. I want you to write that down. Maybe just write down the initials. ICBW. It could be worse. Everybody say that with me. It could be worse. Right? Say it again. It could be worse. Okay, now this this little phrase is going to help you with contentment in your life because... There's these things that happen, okay? Let's pretend you're leaving church on a Sunday and you're going, you're going to the restaurant and you, you park in the parking lot and you park in and buy some cars that are a lot nicer than yours, a lot newer than yours. They've got some features that you've always wanted and it's the color that you've always wanted and, and you're going to run by these things, but I want you to say, you know what? It could be worse. It could be worse. My car got me here. It's running and, and uh, it, it could be worse. I could not have wheels. I could find some contentment there. And on the way home from the restaurant, you're going to drive by some really nice homes and maybe even some open houses on a Sunday afternoon, homes that are bigger and better than yours. And, 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 and you know, you have a roof over your head. You've got clean water and, and you've got climate control in your house. And I want you to remember, you know, it could be worse. It really could be. You could be homeless or you could, you could have a house that's just broken down and dilapidated. And, and maybe you're like, well, it's too small. I really want to upgrade. But, you know, it could be worse. It could be worse. And then, you know, you're going to wake up tomorrow. you wake up the next day, and you're going to look at your mate, and you know, he's lost some hair, and she's put on a few pounds. But you're going to wake up, and you're going to roll over, and you're going to look them in the eye, and you're going to say, no, don't say that. (laughs) The marriage series isn't for a few months, so you can't. Don't ever say that. No, I don't care if Tundra is knocking lamps off the nightstand. You don't say that. Have you learned anything here? No, that was a setup. That was on purpose. I admit that. No, you're going to look over at your mate and you're going to say, I am blessed to have you in my life. You're not going to say that because that that would be crazy. You're not going to say that to your spouse ever. But you know why this is a good saying? Why it could be worse is a good saying? Because it applies to a lot of situations in your life. And the fact is, you're going to say, you know what? It could be worse because it could be. And I know that some of you are going through a time of trial. Something's going on in your life right now. You're in a situation. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it's relational. You're in a situation right now. And you're feeling like pretty pretty desperate. But I want you to really think about it. And learn to say, you know, it could be worse. This thing that I'm going through right now, it could be worse. Because I think that gives you a great perspective on contentment level in your life and we need to learn to be content we need to think do I really need anything more the second thing that we need to do to to remedy the more idol in our life is to learn to have gratitude to be a people of gratitude to learn to appreciate where God has you and to have gratitude for your circumstances and your current situation and Amy and I we tell our girls all the time a grateful heart is a happy heart A grateful heart is a happy heart. And I'm telling you what, you know, this thousand gifts, counting your blessing thing that Ann Voskamp talks about, you know, that is so true. What if you were to count a thousand gifts in your life? You will find out that you are so blessed and that you should be so grateful. And that's one of the remedies for the more idol in your life is because when you are happy with what you have and you find contentment and you have gratitude and you are thankful, then you are a happy heart. And see, a grateful heart is also a heart that worships God and loves God and is thankful for where God has them right now in this moment. And another thing about having a heart of gratitude is gratitude is a contagious attitude that not only helps yourself, it helps all the people around you. Because you're a grateful person, You you can look into their life and speak truth into their life and they can see God's work and they can begin to also have a heart that cultivates gratitude. The last thing this morning as a remedy for the more idle, is trust. We've got to learn to trust God. We've got to smash the more idle, and we have to get to this point where we will say, you know what? I trust God more for my security than anything else. I trust God for my security more than the more idle. We really don't need anything more. We find out that really all I need is God. I need to learn to trust Him. In Philippians 4.19, Paul says it this way. He says, And my God will supply every need of yours. Every need of yours, according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And folks, this morning I want to tell you, that's truth that you can believe in. That's truth that you can base your life on. That's truth that you can base all of your future decisions on. Because God takes care of His kids. And if you are a child of God, He blesses those who trust Him, who call Him Father and go His way in life. And you will be blessed and you will be taken care of. As we close this morning, I wonder if any of you have ever heard this expression before. Have you ever heard this saying? The one who dies with the most toys wins. I know I've heard that in a movie before and I looked it up and actually it was Forbes. Man, by the name of Forbes that made that statement. But I want to tell you the truth of that statement this morning. The one who dies with the most toys dies. And they take none of it with them. And our culture today wants to live with this idea that if we have the most toys in the end, we win. But the fact is that someone who dies in great wealth dies just like someone in poverty You're taking nothing with you except your good deeds and your worship and your relationship with Jesus Christ. And folks, today our culture so desperately needs the example of a people who have smashed the more idol in their life. And let's be that people. Let's show people that we can have contentment in Jesus Christ. That we can have contentment to not desire more possessions or more money or more of some kind of status in our life. That all we really need more of is Him. Because the fact is, when you have him, you'll have the most of all. Let's pray.